Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, and changed our voices so that we can... Um, well, so that we can be here with you every week and have uh, moderately lower fear of losing our jobs. Because, I'm 25 uh, years, Vern, by the way. Uh, everybody knows you're older at this point. I am older. Uh, because am older. we want to be able to bring you our unfiltered, unvarnished, older. candid, Good. and professional views on uh, stocks. Every week we get together and look for ideas in that week's value line investment survey. Also, incorrect views recently, it, it, I just want to well, say. Sadly. Along with everyone yeah. else. This yeah. week we're looking at the issue dated October 24th, 2008. But before we uh, get started, we want to remind everybody that this is for entertainment purposes only. And as my colleague has just pointed out, it couldn't be for any other reason. Um, and we may own all the stocks that we talk about. I hope not. Um, and uh, have well, other I, conflicts I of interest. Do. Oh, we, 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 have we, we frequently do. Um, and you run the risk that we don't have any idea what we're talking about on any given stock. But... Uh, we no, always give it our best week. shot. Anyway, if you want to learn more about, about us, uh, maybe send away for a picture, uh, please visit our website, uh, www.thevalueguys.com. In the second half of the show, I'm going to come back with uh, two really solid ideas. And one not so solid. And one that I may need a little help on. That's right, <laughs> okay. Val. But first, Can I'm going to turn it over to the investor's pal, Val. Investor's pal, Val. Hughes. Wow, that's so creative. Thanks, Fern, for going to that trouble every week. Which I don't go to the trouble of uh, doing for you. So yeah, we get a lot of mail about that, actually. Uh, no, we don't. Anyway, um, wow, what a week. What a market. What's going on? Everyone who's uh, paying any attention is living through historic times, of course. And my most current view is that this is the market. You've heard me talk about the Panic of 1907 or the Panic of 1873. That was last week's show. This week, I want to say that... Let's talk about uh, the panic of 2008. Well, it is a panic. It is a panic. And it most reminds me right now of 1974 when, uh, at that time, oil prices quadrupled, and that put a big tax on the economy. This time, we have bank losses that put a tax on the economy, as well as risk uh, the lending capacity in the economy, which we've talked about at some length in past shows. Uh, today... The market swung about four. The Dow swung about four hundred points. More than five hundred, actually. And that's just uh, you just have to turn the machine off at some point and do your homework. Um, there are some amazing uh, deals right now compared to any time in history. So unless things are dramatically different than ever before, which I'll just I know they're not. Don't you, Vern? I mean, uh, we've heard it said that it's different than ever before in the last seven recessions, and so we're going to come out of this. Um, we do simply have a crisis of credit. No one wants to loan money to another bank if you're a bank when banks are going broke. So it's like landmines. If you find one, everyone just stops moving, and then you got to clear all the landmines until people want to move, and I think uh, those landmines are being cleared right now. So it's a good time to wait in and uh, get average prices. We hope. Oh, it is. Trust me, uh, it is. Honestly. I mean, look at the yields. There's a huge disconnect right now. Well, bond rates, uh, 3.5%. And historically, you know, the inverse of that, 1 divided by 0.03, for example, is 33. So that was always a rough tool. Even, you know, Ben Graham used to talk about that as a tool to estimate what the market P.E. should be. Right now, the market P.E. is 11, and the imputed market P.E., 
uh, I guess at a time of less risk, is uh, 33. So there's clearly a disconnect, and it's about uh, lack of credit and a fear of lack of credit. So we just got to get through this. It's all going to be fine. It just takes a little time to get through. Um, and that gives us some great deals. I got three stocks this week I want to talk about. First up is Snap-on Inc. I think it used to be Snap-on that's co- Tools. That's the company that sells tools out of vans. They do a little of that, and as I've said on the show before, my cousin is a Snap-on dealer, and what he tells me is that uh, I don't you remember know, you ever saying that yeah, before. Well, you don't always listen to the show, but mm. um, he is, so I'll just say hi to him out there. Hi. Uh, but the thing about it is, is that their their competitors, uh, Matco Tool and uh, Mac Tool, are you know smaller and having a lot of trouble and you know losing routes, which is letting Snap-on gain share. So if you don't know Snap-on, it's a very high quality tool. They sell through a distribution network of franchised owners of trucks that go to all the you know locations in the area that can use tools auto dealers and who knows what else machine shops you know i don't know it's not my thing exactly but um they also sell commercially so they have a sales force that calls on the big users of tools as well and they make among the best tools supposedly i mean i don't actually own any of them but that's what i'm told and that's what guys in the marketplace tell me and they have a wonderful distribution uh system and they provide credit so uh, one of the things that drives business, too, is I think every time a model year goes by, particularly in the uh, car industry, all the auto repair guys need some new tools to go with the new models. That drives business. Uh, and as you buy more and more tools, you need, uh, you need toolboxes. So, and that's a big item. So hey, you need somewhere to put your tools. Product line extension. Exactly. Great idea. So my theme here is really this. They're they they a, should do that. They're a, yeah. I'm going to write into them and tell okay. them that. Uh, they have brand. Uh, they're the number one in the space. It generally is tied into repair, remodel, which in tough times, you know, the average vehicle life stretches out. You don't buy new cars. You drive your old cars longer. Uh, this is a rare time to buy this thing pretty cheap. It's seven times gross cash flow. Uh, the stock price, by the way, is 38, not the 42.55 on there today. Thanks to Vern, pick that up. And they don't uh, spend a ton on CapEx. I guess that's where they, uh, you know, probably buy the, uh, uh, what, the R&D, not the R&D, the tools to make the new tools. They put up a 16% operating margin. That's I wonder if that's a good business, making Machine the tools, tools that make the tools. Yeah, it has been over the last 100, 100 years or so. Mm. Um, these guys are putting up a... Uh, 14% return on capital, which is very respectable. But more importantly than that, it's been increasing at a pretty rapid rate. And I'm told that uh, they've brought on some guys out of a business that understood how to dramatically improve the um, competitive position of the company uh, through retooling and improving the business and things like that, taking the low-hanging fruit of cost structure and improving it. Some real pros that came in and have uh, dramatically improved the returns. They don't have too much well, leverage. Well, they have a CEO that's really uh, had a dramatic impact on the business. Well, good. That's, uh, it's evident. What's his name? Doesn't it say on there? I don't remember. Uh, Nick Penchuk, it says. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you can see that the returns have nearly doubled in the last five years. They're up a couple hundred basis points in the last two. They're leveraged uh, 26% capital, uh, debt to cap, uh, coverage is seven times. That's very nice. But it's it's cheap. It's seven times gross, eight times free cash flow. I might look at that as a 12% return on my cash. 
they're having a dramatically, a, a, a surprisingly strong year this year for reasons that uh, I can't explain exactly. Um, but I suspect it's got something to do with share gain. They have uh, relied a bit on the currency exchange from some foreign businesses. That's going to roll off next year, of course. But even Value Line suggesting they're going to grow earnings at 18% over the next five years, I think that's too high. But I don't, I don't I need that. You realize you have to stop when this is at two. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't know about, uh, about that exactly in terms of their international business. But I know it's going to have a tough time over the next 12 months or so just due to the dollar being so strong. Um, and so what? I don't know that much. I've done a little less work this week than I'd hoped to. Actually, that's not right. You'll let this run all the way to the right. end. Yeah. But in any case, um, what we have here is a great company at a discount, Snap-on Tools, SNA. I don't know. I didn't do a very good job on that. I'm sleepy this week, uh, Vern. <laughs> Next up, Toro, TTC. Um, let's see, page 1370, and I do give the page numbers. For those interested, what do I like about Toro? A well, first of all, the valuation. It's seven times cash flow, eight times free cash flow, and they put up great returns. This business has, in the last five years, been putting up 20% returns on capital. They lever it a little bit. They do mid-30s on equity, and that's you know very, very respectable. Uh, they're levered 36% debt to cap. But uh, their margins are so strong that they have a 13 uh, times coverage. That means their operating earnings is 13 times their interest expense. So you don't have to worry too much about them not being able to pay their interest. Uh, the company has had a pretty good growth rate over the last 10 years. They've had a 23% earnings growth rate. I don't think that's going to continue. But these guys have a meaningful share in lawn care, both in residential and in commercial. Their edge in the marketplace is um, arguably their expertise at cutting the perfect green, and that leads to a lot of equipment to cut even the grass that doesn't have to be perfect, as well as a uh, which would be the, yeah, the rest of it of exactly. The and also that lets them kind of get in there and say, hey, while we're cutting the perfect green, uh, what if we install your sprinkler system too? And they they end up getting a lot of that, so. You know, it's uh, it's been growing. I think the theme here really is that wealth around the world breeds more golf courses and more lawns. I mean, after all, what's a lawn but a way for an old Englishman to show off that he didn't have to grow wheat? And uh, and we're still doing that here. It's silly, but we're doing it. Is, that, now, why, is that why people have lawns? That's why, yes, sir. And the Indians are doing it now. And the Chinese are doing it now. And, uh, you know, humans are odd in some ways, but everyone wants a lawn. I can't explain it, but they do. And also golf seems to be I don't uh, have one. in the ascension when you, uh, when you get, you know, more wealth. And even with what's going around the world right now, India and China are getting wealthier. That's going to continue. And, I thought uh, golf was shrinking. Listen, it's, uh, it's shrinking here in the U.S. because of demographics and because, uh, but. Oh, uh, do, do they sell a lot of their what? products in China? Yes, they do, actually. They do? Yes, they do. Yes, they How do. How much? Uh, well, why don't you read the value line here and tell me? Oh, I'll see. Okay. Why, should I move on to the next Go idea ahead. while I'll, you're I'll doing I'll let you know if I... Um, what else do I like about it? Mid-teens operating margin, so pretty stable. You know, they're not drawing a lot of new competition into the market. And, uh, you know, again, what can I tell you? Uh, not a lot. 
uh, great returns, good brand, growing at, uh, you know, value line says 10% the next 10 years. That's probably decent. And with a uh, eight multiple, that's 12% cash on cash, 10% growth. You know, that's sort of a low 20s return. Toro, page 1370. All right, Goldman Sachs, ticker GS, page 1426. Now, this is a fairly controversial name um, for some but for me, it's, you know, the best brand on the street at a discount. Now, what happened? That landmine analogy, all the banks were suddenly going broke. All of a sudden, Bear Stearns is broke. Lehman Brothers is broke. What happened? We got into that into a past show. But when you're levered 33 to 1, if 5% of your assets are no good, you're broke. And that's what happened at Bear Stearns and Lehman. That's the short version Talk to smarter people to get all the details. Well, I can't help but wonder if you don't have a, almost perhaps the exact same situation here, except that you've got a brand that can't fail. Well, here's what you have at Goldman Sachs. You have Goldman Sachs running the Treasury Department, and the Treasury Department basically making Goldman Sachs a subsidiary. They uh, allowed Goldman Sachs to become basically a bank holding company, change their legal status. You know, I'm not a lawyer. But I guess ordinarily that takes about six months. There's some people that put in applications three years ago that aren't getting approved. And Goldman Sachs got approved in about 20 minutes because of the fear that was engulfing Wall Street. And, you know, did anyone watch It's a Wonderful Life? The it's run a Morgan on the bank? Stanley. And Morgan Stanley um, as well. But Goldman Sachs was anointed as one of those firms that will not be allowed to fail. The government came to its rescue, and it shouldn't, okay, in my opinion. Um, and so that gives me some comfort. Now, if I look beyond that, what's going on? Goldman Sachs is priced at 108 bucks a share. What did the Buffett book pay? I don't know. No. I'm going to do, do what I, I want to do on the show right now. Okay. Um, now I lost my freaking train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. 108. Okay, here. The book value. That's what I want to get at. Mm. The securities firm, they are marking the balance sheet to market every day. Everything they own is liquid. They don't have factories. It's all about securities. So when I'm looking at a book value of 105 bucks, that means the liquid assets minus the liabilities is 105 bucks. I should be able to get 105 bucks right now. The book was 115 and 07. Value lines estimating 102. Uh, the stock's at 108. That means the brand, the relationships, all the smart people over there, uh, they're free. They're the ones that are going to add, uh, you know, value to the firm through market share gains over time. And so it's just, in my opinion, particularly with the government backstop, this is an absolute no-brainer. Now, what are they going to do with their new bank status? Next time you're at the mall, just look around. Is there going to be a Goldman Sachs kiosk offering you a wallet if you deposit money? Very, very possible. Now, the reason the government wants Goldman Sachs to be a bank is they can go out and get deposits like that, and maybe you'll be able to get a Goldman Sachs toaster or something like that. I don't know. But they're going to you know, get deposits from the people, and those are secure uh, asset or liabilities really on the balance sheet. Um, when you get into tough times, you know, individuals don't all necessarily run and, and cancel their accounts the way your prime broker customers do or something like that, which is what happened to them. So I like this a lot. It's trading at, um, it looks like Value Line says 10 times earnings here, but with the stock down 10%, I guess it must be nine times earnings. Who knows what earnings are? It's at book. Yeah, they make that up. I think the book value is really the key. 
to this, and it's trading at just a slight uh, premium to book. Um, there's a lot of fear in it, but, you know, I don't really need to say anything else. A great company trading at book, and uh, I like it, Goldman Sachs, ticker GS. And with that, I'm going to turn the show and all its trappings mm. over to Vern Value with a great deal of ado because uh, this week Vern is hosting the show uh, uh, once again. Thank you, Vern. Well, my first, uh, my first idea... Is so so. This is should this like starts at twelve basically. So in a minute and a half. Um, my first idea is um, I'm I, I'm looking for something that I can take advantage of uh, impending doom, and I think a lot of people when doom is impending or has been impended on them, um, turn to booze. And uh, there's a there's a company. Can you pass that there's, uh, bottle? There's a company in uh, this week's value line that's very big in the booze business. And it's also a stock that's down 50%. Fortune Brands. Fortune Brands. Symbol F-O. Um, I guess F-O, like the first two letters in Fortune. Uh, Value Line says the stock is almost $42 uh, wrong, under 35 as of today. So not nine and a half times earnings. I mean, I don't know if these earnings numbers can be relied on, but... If it was nine and a half, oh, definitely it's, it's they can. Seven and a half now, or something like that. This four point two percent yield must be five percent. So, I'm not sure exactly why we would think the company's uh, going to go out of business. They're earning nine percent net profit margins and have been um, for years, uh, previous to which they earned even lower margins. So, despite the fact that their top line has been punished since 2006 by the housing recession initially. I mean, you know, housing peaked then uh, because of their uh, their non-spirits brands, uh, which include Aristocraft Cabinets and Moen Faucets. You may be familiar with those brands. Um, you know, they make some uh, they make some other products that are sold into residential markets. So they've had a, you know, they, they've been beat up. The stock uh, uh, earnings peaked above $5 in 2006. Apparently are expected to be a little north of $4.00. Uh, in 2008, and I don't know if they're uh, uh, going to go lower or if they're going to turn around immediately or not. But uh, very high quality, uh, very high quality player. The uh, spirits and wine business is about a quarter of the business. I think is the right math. No, it's more like 30 percent. Uh, the home and hardware businesses, the housing sensitive businesses, uh, traditionally the majority of the company. Now, actually, these things have flipped. And with a uh, acquisition in the spirit space, uh, that business is now Fortune's largest business, uh, more than half of the company, and twice as big as their exposure to housing. So it's a totally, when you, when you buy it today, you're buying a completely different set of, uh, or a different weighting in terms of what markets it's exposed to. And uh, you're getting it at the cheapest price since uh, 2003. They have a golf business, too, don't they? That's, That's do. like they, not uh, doing so well. Titleist right golf balls, right. Yeah, it would be economically sensitive. So I'd lump it with the, the home building, uh, I mean the uh, residential construction thing, because they're going to have a lot of similar drivers, and I'm going to assume those businesses are down. I may have adverse mix shift similar going drivers. on in the spirits business. I don't know. That's right. Um, yeah, par for the course. Um, I'm looking at uh, a very attractive valuation here um, at th- about $35. Value line's looking for gross cash flow above $6. So we're talking multiple under six. Uh, there's not a lot of capital spending uh, to make booze uh, or to make um, 
I guess to make faucets or cap well cabinets. Why would you need a lot of capital for that? Uh, golf balls are very little. That's probably a very small factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only about seven times free cash flow now, and those are cash flow numbers that are twenty percent off of their highs. Um, there, there's a fair amount of debt here, um, but on a um, you know compared to the large equity base, only thirty eight percent of capital is debt. Um, but they uh, they made a big acquisition. It looks like back in two thousand and five, and so return on capital, which had uh, run into the mid and high teens is now sort of stuck around 10%. And Value Line, although they expect the uh, the debt to get cut in half over the next few years, can't seem to see that the company would be able to earn higher than a an 11% return on capital. I think that's too low. I think uh, there's a real opportunity here to take advantage you know, of something that's uh, mispriced. The next idea I have is Donaldson, symbol is DCI. Uh, Value Line has it at about $36, but... Recently, 30 and a half. Um, so it's not 15 and a half times earnings, but rather 13 and about a 10 or 15% premium to the market. And that may not sound like a value, but there's a long history of this stock um, really growing through almost any environment. Even in uh, the 2001 2002 transition, sales were held flat. It might have been an acquisition, but I'm not so sure. If you've never heard of this company, they really dominate. Um, uh, certain filtration market. They make filters for company. industrial applications. And the great thing about filters, well, there's two great things about them. One, there's some technology involved. You can differentiate the product. You can make a better filter than another competitor. And um, and secondly, uh, you use them up and then you throw them away and you yeah. need a new one. Uh, in fact, you need many, many of them uh, over the life of the thing that is being protected. And um, since the filter... I mean, if you're talking about diesel engines that cost tens of thousands of dollars and the filter costs uh, 20 bucks or something, then... It, you just you, eat those things like candy. You're just not sensitive to what they cost. or um, And um, and so the company historically trades at a fairly significant premium because of what's happened overall in the market over the last few weeks. Uh, something very attractive that you only once every few years probably get a, a really good entry point. Um, looks like it's presented itself here. Uh, the equity market cap is not $2.8 billion as printed here because of the price being down so much. It's more like $2.4 billion. So I have an enterprise value of about $2.7 billion if I add in the debt. Um, and I'm going to divide that by the operating margin times the sales level, which is around, 300, um, uh, around $300 million on this two and a, uh, north of $2 billion um, uh, sales base. So about a nine times EBITDA multiple. I've got pension assets, higher than obligations. There is $320 million of debt, but compared to you know, almost $3 billion market cap, uh, really not that much. Uh, compared to book capital, it's 19% of total, total cap. Um, there is a, something here I'd point out. You know, Sometimes you have to be careful about value line because they can um, occasionally one of the analysts will be a little sloppy about the way they, um, they explain something. And in their uh, paragraph, there's an issue here for Donaldson, and it's that they do about 60% of their sales outside the United States. So as Value Line correctly points out, the strengthening dollar will create a translation effect Bad news for them. on their results. It'll make it look like they've slowed down significantly, much like it makes them look like they've grown faster than they really have over the last couple of years when um, when the uh, weak dollar was creating wind at their back. So, um, um, And so they point this out correctly, but unfortunately... In the first paragraph, they talk about 
Half of the top line advance being attributable to the weak dollar. This is in the quarter that was just reported, apparently. Um, and that led to $38 million, $37.9 million in currency translation gains. Well, technically, uh, gains, currency gains would suggest a some kind of a hedge in place that actually produced an accounting gain and would have contributed to earnings. Though just a, it's just the wording here, but what they're trying to say is that of the growth on uh, on the top line on growth and sales, uh, which is in their little table of quarterly sales, you can see six hundred seven million just reported against five twenty five a year earlier. That's um, eighty some million dollar increase. Thirty eight million is apparently the currency effect. Um, so it, correct to point out, it doesn't grow as fast as it might look, but it's a very high return on capital. We're talking 18 to 21% consistently for the last 10 years. Uh, a little bit of leverage pushes that uh, return on equity consistently into the low 20s, grows steadily and thick and thin, rarely gets cheap. It's cheap right now. Take a look at DCI Donaldson. And then, uh, so those I like are my that two, one, uh, I thought were solid ideas. And then I have... Uh, uh, and then I have my uh, the place where I need a little help because uh, Value Line has this week they have uh, I guess water utilities. Where's the uh, what do they call yeah, the? Yeah, that's right. Is that what they call it? Water utilities. You know, I look at these always thinking it's like buying oil stocks in the '90s. Water utility industry. Yeah, there's five of them. Did I? I don't think I do. I have all five I here. Don't know. No, I have four of them. But what got me intrigued is I naturally, as I do every week, I. Excuse me, I start by looking at Value Line's five rated stocks because they're typically stocks with a lot of negative uh, price momentum, which might mean mm-hmm. that it's a great time to buy them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or stocks that are brand new, uh, have very short track records, very short live, uh, recent IPOs, for example, approach, or spin outs. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I believe we may have mentioned it once or twice we may previously. Have. I just uh, and, um, mentioned it again. Uh, and so I find this stock called American Water. And I'm always interested in water because I, I do believe the, uh, the longer-term view that uh, uh, in time this will be, unless we come up with a very inexpensive way to desalinate seawater, this will be the, the new oil, if you will. Well, or get water out of the air. There are or get water out of the that. air. That's a possibility as well. Uh, but even, even when that happens, we're still going to have the issues of getting the water from the, the place where people have a lot of water to the places where people have no water and wish they had water. Uh, this uh, this company, American Water Works, is the largest investor-owned water and wastewater utility in the U.S. They serve 32 states in Canada. Now, regulated operations are 90% of their revenue, and so there's a limit really on what you can expect they can do in terms of growing or uh, improving the profitability of that piece of their business. But they do have a 10% piece today and a rapidly growing piece that's unregulated. Uh, my biggest problem is I don't really know how to value these kinds of uh, these stocks they have a totally uh, per different gallon, I think. they have a totally different table of data here than per gallon uh, of proved reserves than what I'm used to than I'm what I'm used to seeing in terms of uh, earnings multiple it's about 16 times earnings at the $19 price which is still about where it is they're showing a dividend yield of 4.2% that also in I, I figure a dividend these, yield has to be yeah, secure aren't these regulated at utilities? a water utility the, the dividend surely is secure they're regulated 90% so of it probably is, trade on isn't. yield um, and so with the price down a little bit, the, the yield's closer to 5%. Um, so I, now why, why go any further with it? Well, that valuation, a 5% yield and a 15 times earnings multiple, compares with something called Aqua America at 20, 20 times earnings and a 3 to 4% yield, so more than a point less on yield. 
This appears to, this is also water and wastewater. No mention of regulated versus non-regulated, but they have some rate increases coming through. That would explain the premium valuation because it's been priced in already. I think that's the same thing that's happening at American States Water, symbol AWR, where it's also a big premium to market, a relatively lower yield, and they have rate increases becoming effective in 2009. And there's California Water, uh, lower yield again, higher PE, and uh, they're the beneficiary of some vast changes in the California regulatory infrastructure. So I see a bunch of water stocks that have benefited from uh, changes in the regulatory environment, and then I have this American Water where there's no mention of anything like that. So nothing good has been priced into this one. And so if I'm going to buy one, I think maybe this would be the one that I'd, I'd buy the one where there hasn't been anything good to happen yet, and it offers the highest yield, and I have no reason to believe that it's any more risky than any of the others. There's, uh, They all carry uh, some debt. Well, I guess this one is more levered than the others, so I guess that would explain part of the... Uh, part of the discount as expressed in the yield, but I still like it. But I uh, see we're over now. Maybe you want to take a look at these water utilities. Maybe not, but uh, they're a little cheaper now. And, uh, I mean, water's well, never going to go out of style. Next time they come up, maybe we could spend a little more time on them. Yeah, if we have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say my favorite idea this week is Donaldson. The symbol's DCI. And you, Val? Uh, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Likes Goldman Sachs. We'll see you next week, folks.